My sermon title this morning is Down But Not Out. Down But Not Out. How many of you have ever felt like you were so far down that you'd never be able to get back up again? Things, things and circumstances in life give us that feeling. Or you've had negative emotional feelings that you just felt you could never get over. You know, some people say, I just can't help how I feel. Well, I want to tell you that the Bible contradicts that. And I want to share with you what the Bible tells us that will give us help when we get into those situations when we just feel that things are out of control and we just can't help feeling the way we feel. So I'll start out by sharing with you from a book from a learned professor whose book is entitled Learned Optimism. His name is Martin Siegelman, and he claims this, one of the most significant findings in psychology in the past 20 years, listen, is that individuals can choose the way they think. Depression is nothing more than its symptoms. It's caused by negative thoughts. There is no underlying disorder to be rooted out, not unresolved childhood conflicts, not our own unconscious anger, not even our brain chemistry. Emotion comes directly from what we think. Now, that's controversial all by itself, but I want to share some of the truths from Scripture. Siegelman may not realize this, but his findings support what Jesus has taught. You may remember 2,000 years ago when the disciples were filled with anxiety, they were filled with fear, they didn't know what, what the next step, we hate change. And the disciples knew that big change was coming, that Jesus was going to be crucified, and now they're in a state of shock, anxiety, depression, they don't know how to get themselves out of it. And listen to what Jesus says in John 14, 6. He says this, and you need to start with me on this line, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He said, let not your heart be troubled. In other words, you have some power over how you feel. All those negative feelings that you've got going on, you have the power to choose to let or let not something come into your head and into your heart. You have a voice in how you handle the troubles that come. You can make the choice not to allow yourself to fall victim and overwhelmed by your own emotions and your negative feelings. Proverbs 23, verse 7 says this, As a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. If you think that you're a failure, if you're focused on failing, if you are unsure, if you're disappointed, if you're discouraged, these things are anticipated and they can happen every day in our lives because they're part of the human experience. This happens to every one of us. We can even feel that uh, we are, we're just not the person we should be. We have a poor self-image. We have feelings of inferiority. We can even feel that we've disappointed the Lord and that we're not a good Christian. Have you had those kinds of feelings in your life? that you just can't live up to your own expectations, or you think you're not living up to God's expectations. Think again. Psalm 103, which is our, which is our text for the morning, tells us that God has given us a number of things to help us through times like that. And so let me share this from Psalm 103 this morning. 
Let's stand together for the reading of the scripture. Some of this may sound familiar to you, and that's good. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all thine iniquities, who heals all thy diseases, who redeems thy life from destruction, who crowns thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. Did you ever think of him this way? He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our, our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as heaven, for as, for as, the, as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. For as, as for man, his days are as grass, as a flower in the field. So he flourishes. The wind passes over it, and it's gone. And the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his command, uh, covenant and to those that remember his commandments to do them. Thanks. You may be seated. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Sometimes when we get into situations of distress, sometimes we get into areas of discouragement, sometimes when we're filled with anger and disappointment, what do we do? Our heads go down. Have you ever noticed that? When people are upset and sad or angry, a lot of times their head goes down. Are you looking for answers down there? There's no answers down there. The Bible tells us, look up. There's where the answers are. That's the place. Verse 2 says, verse 121, verses 1 and 2 says, I will lift up my eyes onto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Where do you go for help? I mean, you've got a 911 that you can call that's never busy, that the person who answered it is always there. The Lord Jesus Christ is your helpline. God's word is your helpline. And when you look to him, you will receive what he has promised, help in times of trouble. Are you experiencing a time of trouble in your life right now? If you are, if you're perplexed, if you're uneasy or unsettled, remember that God wants to help you. That if you turn your focus away from what's happening to what he's promised, you will find a therapeutic response from him. Think of what it says here. As you focus on the Lord, he will bring to mind all the good things that come to you as his child. Benefits. When I was in the business world, I think the second question that people would ask after the interview was over, how much am I being paid? And then, what are the benefits? Well, let me tell you, God's benefits outweigh anybody's benefits in the universe. And God's benefits are to you, and they're free. You don't have to have any kind of a cash settlement with God. 
He's ready, to, he's ready to shine down upon you. He's ready to support you. He's ready to help you. He's ready to lift you up. There are 30 things listed in Psalm 103 that are considered to be benefits from God. I just focused on a half a dozen of them, and I want to share them with you this morning. Verse 3, it says, He forgives all our sins. Whatever it is that you have done in your past, Whatever it is you're going through right now in this life, if you have sin in your heart and sin on your life, confess it. Tell the Lord that you agree that what you've done is sin. This is the meaning of confession. Confession means to say to God, I, I know that I've sinned against you. Please forgive me. And the Bible says that he will. Now, here's the trick. You have to let him forgive you. So many people say, but I don't feel forgiven. I still carry guilt. Don't carry the guilt of your sin on your shoulders. Christ bore them on the cross. He carried your sins on his shoulders, your disgrace, your embarrassment on his shoulders out of his love for you. Why take the load off of him and transfer it back for, for, to yourself? Just give it over to him. Give it to Jesus. Otherwise, you're saying, you died on that cross in vain. He died for you to receive and remove and wash away your sin. And then the God who can't forget because he's God says to you in Psalm 103, I will remove your sin from my mind as far as the east is from the west. Anybody got a tape measure here this morning? I don't think you can do it. And God's, it's just an example, an illustration, just figurative of the fact that you may have this stuff tucked away in your brain, but God doesn't. And if the, if the, if the creator of the universe, the God who loves you, is willing to forget about it, why don't you? But pastor, my sin, my past, the things that were in my life are so desperate and so bad, how can God forgive me? How? There's the answer. By way of the cross and the sacrifice that Jesus made. Secondly, verses 3 and 4 says, He heals the body, mind, and soul. God's going for you as a whole person, not just bits and pieces. He doesn't just care about your soul. He doesn't just care about your spirit life. He cares about you as a whole person. If you're sick, God cares physically. If you lost your job, God cares. If you, if you need housing, He cares. If you need friendship, He cares. If you need love, He cares. And He's willing to do something about it. And when you reach out to Him and you pray to Him, He takes away those emotional scars. He takes away that unhappy childhood, that unhappy marriage, that loss, past failures, present disappointments, if you let Him. He doesn't leave you in that state. Third, verses 3 and 4, he moves us from a place of destruction. Think about it. Stinking thinking, one of my favorite expressions because I think I coined it, but I'm not sure. He, he takes away that sense of hopelessness and helplessness. He takes away fear and besetting sin and anxiety and stress and anger and worry. So many people we see on the streets of New York City, in particular my hometown, living in this anger and bitterness. 
You can hear it in their expressions. You can hear it in their screams. You can see it on their posters. They hate. Hate's not from God. Hate's from the evil one. And when you give in to it, you've given in to Satan. And you don't want to be there. Because anything he takes you through will only end in destruction in your life. Number four, verse five, he renews and refreshes your spirit. He restores ruined lives. He mends broken hearts. He lifts fallen spirits. He sets our feet on a path that leads to joy and victory. If we let him, if we give in to him, if we don't fight him, if we submit, submit yourselves a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, it says in Romans. You have to submit. What's this mean? It means I give up. There are Christians, you know, when they sing, they pray like this, and what it means is I give up. This is the universal symbol of surrender. And this is what God wants from us in our heart. When we're going through these issues in our life that are so intimidating and so overwhelming, he wants us to submit, give in, give up to him. Remember, don't forget in the dark what you've learned in the light, one of my favorite expressions. Things you're hearing right now when you're sitting in church, when your mind is at peace, when you're in a safe place, and there's nobody around to bug you, so to speak, you learned something this morning. Don't forget it when things get tough. Don't forget in the dark what you've learned in the light. Verse 10 and 11, God is not dealing with us according to our sin. It's a very interesting reality. We've been studying the book of Genesis, and we've been functioning, uh, we've been uh, studying uh, some of the dysfunctional families to be found in the Old Testament. These are called the patriarchs between uh, just every Christian denomination and, uh, and Judaism and, and in, in Islam. These are, these are common patriarchs of those religions, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, when I say Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you may remember all the promises God made to them, that they would be the father of the many nations. And every one of these religious groups, they revere particularly Abraham. And you might say to yourself, well, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are some of the heroes of the faith. And when you open the Bible, all you're going to see is purity, holiness, and goodness. Far from it. These guys were as flawed and corrupt as you and I are. And the Bible never pulls punches because God is working with humanity. He's working with the likes of you and me. And when he deals with people like us, which is all he can deal with, because that's all there is, when he's working with this material, it's warped. It's full of holes. It's inconsistent. And yet God takes these people and he lifts them up. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they become the, they become the, the fathers of the 12 tribes which become the messianic nation chosen by God to bring Christ into the world. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are the patriarchs of Jesus', uh, Jesus uh, family ancestry. And if God can use these men that are so flawed to bring Christ into the world and associate Jesus with their names, he wants to do this for you. He wants to lift you from your life of despair or concern. He wants to bring you to a better place. 
He's not going to remember your sin anymore. That means he's not holding a grudge against you. And that's what people think. Oh, God's a God of, of judgment, and that's all. God is a God of judgment. But God commingles his justice with mercy and grace. Mercy means you don't get what you deserve. And grace means what you get is so much more than you deserve. It's beautiful. God's love for you and for me is beautiful. A love that we've never experienced on the human level until we've come to Christ. People feel lonely and people feel like they're missing something in their life. And if they don't have Christ at their heart, they are. Are your friends and family missing something in life that you found? Would you share it with them? Will you share Jesus with them? Verse 14 and 15, Creator God knows you. He should know you. He made you. Jesus knows your every weakness. He knows your limitations. He knows where your breaking point is, and he knows how much of a load you can handle. So when you get into those moments where it just feels like it's too much to deal with, it just feels like you've got so much on top of you that you just can't handle it, and down you go. Your help comes from on high. Lift your eyes, lift your head, think up. He knows you will have doubts and fears, uptimes and downtimes, but he's made a promise to every believer for such a time. Now, I want you to read with me 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Can you see it? Let's go. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you're able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Here's the promise. God knows your load limit. When you get on an elevator, you'll see a, on a poster the load limit, just how much weight can be in the, on that elevator before it can't lift you. God knows your limit. He knows just how much you can take before you'll break and he won't let that happen. You put your faith and trust in him somehow, okay? Somehow you'll get through that particular moment. Maybe the day later or two days later, you'll bounce back. I mean, my mother was nearly at death's door a couple of weeks ago, and I called her this, uh, just yesterday, for example. She's just the same mom, fights just as hard, <laughs> remembers things I wish she didn't remember from 60 years ago. But God knows that there's no test that you're going to come up with that somebody else. You say, well, I'm going through something right now that no other Christian in the world has ever gone through. That's the devil. There's a, there's a theological expression for what the devil's trying to do. It's called baloney. He's trying to sell you a, a, a pound of baloney. You are not experiencing anything that any other Christian hasn't experienced. I'll go you one better. You're not experiencing anything that Jesus has not experienced. The Bible said he was tested in every way that you and I are, yet without sin. You want to look to somebody for help? Look to the one who made it, Jesus. He made it through those times of temptation. There will be times when you'll fail and times in your life when you will feel like you failed or feel like you've been a failure. Every one of us has regrets. And sometimes we carry those regrets with us to the grave. There's a wonderful story about a pastor named John Hicks. And this comes from uh, Nelson's 
book of stories in Robert J. Morgan. W.A. Criswell was one of the great Christians back in the previous, uh, in the 20th century. He was best known pastor in the world during his long tenure at First Baptist Church in Dallas. His sermons, personal efforts, and multiple books have been the means of winning untold numbers to Christ. I've read many of W.A. Criswell's books. But in Criswell's biography, author Billy Keith tells an interesting story about a man, about the man who led Criswell to the Lord. It was when W.A. Criswell was 10 years old and the Reverend John Hicks came to a small Texas town to conduct a revival meeting. Hicks stayed in the Criswell home during his two-week campaign. Young W.A. was greatly taken with John Hicks, and one day he asked permission to leave school to attend the 10 o'clock service at the church. Entering the chapel, he sat directly behind his mother and drank in every word that Hicks spoke. When Hicks gave the invitation, the lad went forward and, with tears, took up Jesus as his Savior. Years later, when Criswell was a world-renowned pastor, he recounted his conversation to a friend of his named Wallace Bassett. Would you repeat that, W.A. Bassett asked. He repeated the story. I just can't imagine that, Bassett said. Johnny Hicks, Pastor Johnny Hicks, was a dear friend of mine, and he was here at Baylor Hospital in his last days of illness from which he died. I went often to see him, and one day I sat beside his bed, and he said, Wallace, my life is over. My preaching days are done. I've never done anything for Jesus. I've failed. Wallace, I've failed. They were, they were the last words of the old preacher ever spoke. He didn't realize how successful he had been in just that one conversation and that one conversion. W.A. Criswell, who got saved under his ministry, went on to lead thousands upon thousands to Christ. We never know. We never know what our influence is going to be. We really only fail when we let sin, fear, failure, and disappointment defeat us and cause us to give up. That's the worst thing a Christian can do. Not go through tough times, not fall flat on your face, giving up, giving up. I'll never stand behind this sacred desk and allow you to give up. I will preach it as long as I live. Don't quit, don't give up, don't let go. With God's help, Christ's example, and with the Holy Spirit alive in you, fear, failure, disappointment cannot crush us, cannot defeat us, cannot steal our salvation, cannot bury us in guilt, cannot haunt us in desperation, into desperation, cause Christ to abandon us or steal our joy. So when you come to the words, when you come to your wit's end, you'll find that God is there waiting for you. When you've gone the limit and you don't think you can take another breath, God promises that Jesus will be there for you. Proverbs 24, 16. For a just man falls seven times and rises up again. You're going to fall and you're going to come back. Philippians 1, 16. Being confident of this, another good verse, of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. 
When you're down, pray about it. When you're down, cry about it. When you're down, talk about it. When you're down, laugh about it. But don't ever, don't ever give up. Remember, with Christ in your corner, you may be down, but you will never be out. Amen? Would you repeat that? With Christ in my corner, I may be down, but I'll never be out. God bless you. Let's pray. So this morning, Father, I pray that you will touch each life, each mind, encourage them with the words that you've given us, that we can be more than conquerors through Christ who gives us our strength. So bless each person here this morning, and when we leave this place, help us to glow, and when people see us, they'll know that we've been with Jesus, and we pray it in his name. Amen.